0: Hello, it's time for Raw Storytelling, a podcast where real people share unscripted and uncensored real stories, and I'm your host Enid Nolasco. Santa Claus, Santa Claus, Santa
1: Claus, Santa Claus. Claus,
0: Claus, Claus. What's that sound? Santa Claus ain't coming.
1: Santa Claus ain't coming to Mars. Santa Claus ain't coming.
0: Welcome to another episode of Raw Storytelling. Can you believe we're already at the end of 2018? I'm really excited this will be the last episode of the year and we'll feature three stories from our live show from November 2017. The theme was transformations and I find the stories to be so appropriate for this end of year episode. Let's start 2019 with fresh inspiration. If you're new to the podcast, all the stories you'll hear are from our monthly live shows recorded at Cafe Collective in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. If you will be in South Florida, we're looking for storytellers for our upcoming shows. See available dates and themes on our website, rawstorytelling.org. Let's start with our first storyteller, Sean Russell sean is a content marketer and media producer and can be found at lesserus.com that's l-e-s-a-r-u-s-s scom and his story is titled possessed by a sense of passion and purpose
2: Hello everybody, you all know my name is Sean and today I'm going to talk about transformations and I've gone through several transformations in my life because I just love being and it doesn't matter to me what it is as long as I want to do it I'll go ahead and do it regardless of the consequences. And I'm going to go over some of those choices that I've made, and I'm also going to go over some of the consequences that I faced because I am so blinded by my passion for being me. So whenever someone asks me what I do, I always pause because I do a lot of different things at the same time. And I rarely get an opportunity to talk about those things without feeling super self-conscious. But I said to myself, Sean, I'm going to give you a break today because I talked to myself. And I'm going to allow you to talk about some of those things. So I'm going to start from the end. There's a lot of people in this room that are in a group. um, And we had the founder of the group, Last Raw Storytelling. Um, named Dynamo. How many of you guys know of Action uh, Action Club? So I joined that club um, off of a recommendation of Evan, Evan Snow, and it kickstarted something in me, something that I've been waiting to do. Is, I guess I just needed the permission to do it, and that was to figure out a plan to quit my job. So I came up with something called a 100-day plan, and basically what it was is in 100 days, I don't know how, I'm going to quit my job, and I'm going to chronicle it. I'm going to, I'm going to try to look for opportunities, because when that 100... And then I told as many people as I could possibly tell. I think I even told my boss. Um, so, so it got to the wire, and the whole point of action is you go and you kind of... Yes, you have accountability, a group of accountability partners. So that was the... I think that was the catalyst for me to say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and quit my job. But I say that because I'm going to come back to that at the end, the result of what happened with that. So I found my passion in the middle school. I was watching Jurassic Park, and I said to myself, Steven Spielberg is amazing. He's an amazing director. And I didn't say I want to be a director. I started to watch a bunch of other films, and I looked at some different websites and I saw that he played a role in almost my entire childhood. From Indiana Jones to Goonies to Poltergeist, he had a role in all of those things. Not just as a director, but as a producer. So when I put all those pieces together, I said, I wanna be a producer. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know what path to take. I just knew I wanted to be a producer. So I figured out how to get into a magnet school for television production, because that was the best option. And basically, I just looked for opportunity after opportunity to practice being a producer. So even before I went to the school for television production, I bought a camera. I used to work at Winn-Dixie, saved up my money from bagging and tips, bought a camera from a friend, and unfortunately for the people involved, but fortunately for me, there was a triple homicide in my neighborhood, and... Of course, I waited a day, I, mean, I'm, I, mean, I have a little bit of class. I went, all of the news, they were surrounded. I went, grabbed my camera, which at that time I was just making stop motion videos with my toys. I took it, I went to all of the news anchors, the reporters, the camera people, I interviewed them, asked them how they got their jobs, what should they do, advices. So, long story short, I put together a little video, took it to my first week of school at Hallendale and presented it to my teacher. So that's how I kicked off everything that happened after that. I'm gonna fast forward a little bit. I'm still in high school, my goodness. How many more minutes do I have left? All right, so um, towards my senior year, we had an internship class. I got an internship with the Miami Marlins as their webmaster for the Community Foundation. Then I got a job after I left school. I worked with NBC and was a broadcaster. Had a a program on the morning um, five o'clock news. Then I went to. I went to. I went to college for television production and also found a lot of opportunities there. Worked for MTV, worked on a film, did a lot of different things. And I say all this because I knew what I wanted to do, so I was always looking for the opportunities to get the practice to figure out how I can get to that path. So my path sort of took a left because job, money, need, and live, right? So I became a substitute teacher because I paid more than working at Babies R Us. And from there I was hired by the school to teach fitness and then teach technology. Then they hired me to be the microtech for the school. But there I found another passion of mine. I found that I love working with students. And that. Ended up taking over most of my life. I spent 15 years in the public school system, teaching students all that time. Even now, I still teach students. I go and volunteer in the mornings and teach television production to 15 students because I want to pass on my passion to as many students that are coming up so they can go through the things that I've gone through. So that's another passion of mine. So going into college, I decided to create my own production company And I launched a music blog, so I ended up figuring out how to get interviews with big bands and celebrities. I have, like, so many interviews with alternative rock musicians, and I didn't even like alternative rock when I first got into it. I partnered up with a friend. But that was also a great experience, being able to go on Warp Tour, travel around the country, interview 300-plus artists, go and see how the back end of the music industry is, from EDM to hip-hop, It's crazy, Um, (laughs) um, so that was the other part of it. I feel like I have like three other things that I wanna talk about, but I'm gonna not do that. So the last thing I wanna say is um, another passion of mine, once again, working with the kids is I started a nonprofit organization that was based off a puppet that I had. Yeah, when I was a teacher, I realized that students want to be entertained just like everybody else. Because I remember when I was in school, I was bored out of my mind. So I bought a puppet assistant. His name is Chester D. Dougal. And, um, and, you know, I still have that nonprofit and we're still running. So I say all that because I did almost all of those things I just mentioned at the same time. And I paid a price for it. I made decisions, blinded by my passion, and just didn't have money to pay my bills. And I could have easily had money to pay my bills and and fix myself, but I didn't want to give up my server for my website. I didn't want to not go on this trip to do this thing. So I ended up getting evicted for a couple of places, selling my car, to pay my bills, and at a point, I was actually homeless living out of my car for a few months. You know, I got out of that situation by finding an office for like 100 or 200 and living out of that for a year. And, But all the while, my business never suffered. I still was able to focus on my passion and move my things the way I needed to do. But luckily, all those things that I was doing looking for the cue. All those things that I was doing gave me hope that I would get out of it. And whenever things got really, really bad, something always snapped and brought me to the next level. And I look at it as leveling up for where I am today. So I'm ending the story now with my 100 days and Right now, I'm in the best place in my life. I am constantly meeting people who are adding value to my journey, and it's making me realize that all the things that I sacrificed, all of the decisions that I made that people might have thought were foolish at the time was for a reason, and I'm looking forward to see where my journey goes from here on out and I look forward to hearing the stories that everyone's gonna be having today at this um, event. And I thank Enid so much for inviting me and giving me the opportunity to speak to you all today. Thank you so much.
0: Sean is so inspiring. Going from dream to accomplishment in a hundred days takes guts, vision, and passion. We admire you, Sean, and we wish you all the success you desire. So I'm gonna read a Too Rot to Share. My first gay experience, my first gay experience was a sleepaway camp when I was 13. My bunk mate from Turkey gave me head one night while everyone slept. I wonder what he's up to now. Me too. <laughs> How about that too raw to share? Did you like it? Do you have something you want to get off your chest? Send your transformation secrets to rawstorytelling at gmail.com and we'll post the juiciest ones on our Instagram and Facebook. I'd like to pop your blow-up Santa. I'd like to bury it in the
1: snow. You just put up a string of light. i'd like to pop that sucker flat
0: okay up next is marty elberg he's an attorney unlike any other you'll get a glimpse of his wild spirit and personality through his story and i want to give him a huge thanks because he helped us early on with getting our legal mumbo jumbo in order i'm so grateful for marty and you can find him at circleoflifelegal.com i like to pop that sucker
1: black. Transformation. What is it? I was a small, young child. Grew up on a farm in Iowa. And now I'm here. So that's the transformation. But how did that happen? Let me tell you. So I was comfortable. Y'all remember when you were kids, you didn't care about what anybody thought about you, right? You could go out wearing a t-shirt and nothing else, or underwear and nothing else. Maybe some rain boots, maybe a raincoat, and say, mom, can I go to school like this? And she would say, no, you can't go to school like that. You got to put on real clothes. Kind of sucked, right? Right? Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate that. So. so then you started listening. And in high school, you cared about what you looked like, and you said, oh, shoot, i got to tuck my shirt in because those girls are looking at me. They don't want them to look at me funny because I don't have my shirt tucked in. So there it goes. So we tucked our shirt in, right? And then what did they say? They said, if you want to succeed in business, you have to wear a suit, right? Guys, uh, you're, you're all too young for that, but really that's what they said, and they said you got to learn how to wear a tie. So your dad or your mom or your p teacher or whoever taught you how to tie a tie, and you can even do it when you're talking on a microphone, right and you pull it up tight and it feels real comfortable and you're about ready to choke to death and it's like, oh, Jesus Christ, what the hell? And then you study the history of a tie. Everybody know the history of a tie? The transformation of a tie and what it was before? No? Really? Google this shit, it's real. (laughs) All right, so back in the time, in the feudal ages... You know, remember when uh, London and England and wasn't like London and the queen that we know now? It was actually real royalty, and it was cold and drafty in those castles that they lived in that seemed so awesome, but they're not because it's cold and drafty. Where's my, where's my man from uh, England or uh, Ireland, right? Cold and drafty. You've lived in the castle before, right? Yeah, cold and drafty. So they were scarves. They were literally scarves to keep them warm. And then what did they do? Well, shit, that's not enough. We got to put a jacket on. Hang on, hang on. Got to put a jacket on. So we put a jacket on. Oh, that's better. Ah, ah, yeah, that's warm, right? Warm, warm, warm. And the royalty were the only people that got to wear suits because they were the only ones that could afford it. So what happened? Society looked upon them as royalty and they thought, I'm going to dress like that when I get old because I want to look good like that. But the only reason they wore it is to keep warm because those castles were cold. And then they migrated to the United States and they said, Oh, we're going to keep up our tradition of wearing scarves and jackets. You know why they put buttons on here? Anybody? Come on, this is interactive. It's okay. Buttons. Buttons. Why? Exactly. Because the royalty, they really weren't that civilized either. And the guys would wipe their mouths with their jackets. And they put buttons on them to stop them from wiping their mouths with their jackets. You can laugh. It's real. Totally real. And today, what do we do? We have jackets with buttons, and we wear a scarf. And we live in Florida. How high was it today? It's winter, yeah. But it was like 90 degrees today, right? I was sweating my balls off walking to court in this. Yesterday, I actually had a real suit on. The day before, I had a real suit on. It's ridiculous. Why? Because we want to appear to be professional. We want to appear to be royalty, right? And that's what I thought I had to do to be successful. So for years, I wore a suit. I wore a tie. And now, I think back to when I was a child. And when I was comfortable because I didn't have a freaking thing choking me. Because it does. It chokes me. Every time I put one on, i like, gag. As soon as I walk out of the court. Oh, by the way, I'm an attorney, if you didn't figure that out when I was talking about going to court. I'm not a convicted felon. That's not why I went to court. I'm an attorney. That's why I go to court. When I first came up here, who's this guy? He's not an attorney. He wears a polo. Well, that's right. So when I take the jacket off and I take the tie off, And I untuck my shirt. Now I'm comfortable. I'm no less confident in myself. I'm no less, well, maybe I'm a little less smart, but my clients actually see me as a human being, not as a person that hides behind a coat or a tie and feels like I'm telling them what to do. Now I can connect with them, and I can teach them, and I can inspire them to go through life like I do. Be comfortable, be comfortable in your own skin. You don't have to dress up to show who you are. You just have to show who you are by being who you are. And that's me. I was transformed from being the kid from a farm that was told you have to put a suit on to be taken seriously to an attorney that never wears a suit unless they have to go to court. And if you catch me on a Monday or a Friday, I'm in flip-flops and shorts (laughs) and a t-shirt. There you go. Transformation.
0: This past November 10th, I had the incredible opportunity to be a speaker at the Women in Power Expo. This is an expo dedicated to supporting women entrepreneurs, and I couldn't have been more proud to be part of the event. Well, the Women in Power Expo was founded by our last storyteller for this episode, Alexa Rose Carlin. She can be found speaking all over the country, but for raw storytelling, she took off her public speaker hat and really got raw. I hope you enjoy her story of transformation and go check her out on Instagram at Alexa Rose Carlin. Her story is titled, Shedding the Old and Welcoming the New.
3: To have journals with me. Um, all right. So I, as um, she mentioned, I am a public speaker, but today I'm not really speaking to teach you anything, but rather share a story. And um, you know, I've my life has been like really crazy for the past couple of weeks, so I haven't really thought too much about what I was going to speak about until this past week. So last week, something kind of really random happened to me. I was at Unbound Miami, which is this technology conference in Miami. And um, I went for two days. The second day I was a judge for the female pitch competition. And the first day I was there checking out the speakers and it was a lot going on. And um, towards the end, literally probably 10 minutes before I was about to leave, I was with my project manager, Nicole. Nicole went up to talk to someone. I was like, who's Nicole talking to? And um, and it was one of the speakers that we just saw that was talking about the future of communication with chatbots. So she saw the speaker and she figured, you know, let me go up and say, you know, you did a great talk. And we started, um, I went up after and they were talking about A bunch of different things. He's from New York. She's from New York. They connected on about being from Long Island, how New Yorkers do. And I was was kind of just standing there, and we were asking, like, about his business. And then all of a sudden, he was talking to Nicole, and he turns to me, and he goes, put your hands up. Like this. And I'm like, okay. And be mindful that this is a technology conference. And so I put my hands up. And he puts his hands up like this. And he said, close your eyes. And I'm standing in the middle of this tech conference with my eyes closed, not really touching another guy's hands that I just met for a good what felt like five minutes. And we're just standing there like this. And then finally, like I peek open my eyes and he says, do you feel the heat? So there was some heat building up in the middle of our hands, and he just said to me, we put our hands down, and he goes, I just downloaded who you are.
0: <laughs>
3: First, I got so afraid, like, what did you download? I have some really good ideas in here. <laughs> I was so scared. <laughs> and, um, and he's like, I just downloaded everyth- like, everything about you. Don't worry, I'll forget it in a few minutes. And... Um, And he goes, ask me a question and I didn't really know what to ask. And then he took a step back. He goes, whoa, there are so many different versions of you. You've been so many different people in the past few years. And he went on to tell me some other things that I'm not going to really share with you tonight, but I've been thinking about this since last week. Versions of myself. And now thinking about the theme, transformation, Transformation and change, they're two completely different things that many people get confused thinking them they're the same. Change can occur instantly. We could change the form of something. We could change something's color. We can change our job tomorrow. But transformation is a journey. And so with that, you change who you are, but you are transforming your being. And so with this, I have transformed from many different versions of myself in the past few years. And so this past week, I was thinking, okay, I have this storytelling that I have to do this Thursday. What am I going to talk on? And this was in the back of my head this whole time. And I'm packing because I'm in the middle of a move right now. And I um, am packing some old journals from 2013 through 2015. And, um, and then I, this weird artifact and then I saw this, and I was reading old journals, and I was like, I know what I'm going to share. So, you know, um, many, of, many of you have, well, I don't know about many of you. Some of you have heard me speak before, so you know some of my story. But in 2013, I had this near-death experience, senior year of college at UF. And it took me on a, a very long journey of healing and transformation, and so, um, in 2014, I was living at home. I lived in New York City for a little bit during this time, but I was living back at home because I couldn't handle the cold. Um, and I was on this this journey of healing, and I would see different doctors, integrative, holistic health coaches, different centers, healers, and I would just like grab onto anyone and anything that could help me become healthier. Because I was so sick, so, so sick. I couldn't live my life. I was 22 years old. And, um, you know, I would see everyone. And it got to this point where I was just so fed up. Every doctor, every healer, every integrative therapist would say, I will help you. Yet weeks went by and nobody could help me. And so I remember this, this one doctor. And my mom would go with me because it was just, that was my whole entire life for a year. Um, and we went to this one doctor, and I had so much hope. And then he told me something completely opposite than everything I've been hearing. And I just, you know, I lost every, like, I just couldn't grasp what I was supposed to do. And I remember this moment. I was in Del Rey eating at the office. And um, at this time, one of the nutritionists I was seeing, like, got me off uh, gluten, dairy, meat, fish, sugar, fruit, yeah, like what was I eating? And and it was, like, nowhere way to live, but it they said that it would help me become healthier, and I was listening to anything. And so um, I remember I was eating – I was looking at the menu at the office in Delray, and I, could, I couldn't eat anything. And the veggie burger had, like, gluten, and it was just – it was horrible. And I said, you know what? I'm so fed up with all of this. I'm going to take what I feel is right from each of these doctors – and do what's best for me. And so I ordered that veggie burger with fries, and I felt so empowered because I was making decisions for myself. And I just had this feeling, you know what that feeling when you make a decision, you just know it's right? I knew it was right. And I went, like after we finished our meal, I followed my mom into the bathroom. We were going to the bathroom before we left. And, um, and I am just standing there waiting to use the restroom and I look down, and I see a $5 bill. I look around. There's no one. And my mom just walked through. And I was like, this is, you know, this was a sign. <laughs> and I later shared this story with a group. I mean, I was part of, like, healing myself, every single type of form. So I was part of this thing called a Dharma group. And Dharma means purpose. So we would talk about spirituality. And I shared this story. And someone said to me, she's like, Alexa, do you know what this the symbol five means. I was like, no. And she said, five is the hand of God. I was like, whoa. No. And so I took this as a sign and I was like, okay, I'm going to be more present. I'm going to make decisions for myself. But as I mentioned before, transformation doesn't just happen in one day. It's a journey. And it's very hard to transform out of a victim mindset because that's what I was in. And so during this time of transformation, I remember I kept on seeing snakes everywhere. Like I would go in my neighborhood for a walk, I would see a snake. I went on a family vacation, I would see snakes. Like everywhere were just snakes and like live snakes. (laughs) And um, I didn't notice it until like that $5 bill happened and I started to see, I was more present and I saw more signs. Then a month after that $5 bill occurrence... I was going to Whole Foods with my mom, and, um, and we took separate cars because I was meeting her after a meeting or something, and I was walking through the parking lot of Whole Foods, and all of a sudden this car comes up, she rolls down her window, and she goes, hey girl, hey girl, you, stop. I, like, look around, like, are you talking to me? And so then she pulled into a handicapped parking spot. So I thought, oh, okay, maybe she needs some help. And I stood there, like, waiting to see, like, what to do. And she just, like, got out of the car, and she was wearing an earphone. So I was like, oh, maybe she was on the phone. So my, I saw my mom pull up into the parking lot. So I didn't go in Whole Foods. I was waiting right outside. And this was in Wellington because that's where I was living at the time. And uh, this woman starts walking, and she walks straight up to me. And she goes, your energy, I felt your energy from my car. She said, there's something big happening in your life right now, but you're not appreciating it because you're holding onto something from the past. And this woman was right. I don't know who she is. I've never seen her again, but I was holding onto something from the past because I was still in that victim state of mind. And, um, you know, with transformation, it's, it's how you choose to live your life and it's how to, how you choose to take what's happened to you and turn it into something that's happened for you for the better. And so while I was packing and then thinking about this guy that just happened last week with like how I've been many different people, I opened up this journal that I was packing and... I saw this poem and I, you know, figured this is raw, vulnerable, like she shared in her uh, journal. Um, So I'm going to share it with you. And it talks about how with um, pain and sadness, it's a feeling that overcomes everything else. If any of you have struggled or have ever felt pain, you know it's so encompassing that you can't think about anything else. I have two minutes, so let's do this. All right. It's it's a poem, by the way. August 3rd, 2015. I look for a feeling of pain, wanting the past to run through my vein. I question myself on this occurrence, trying to ponder and provide me assurance. I wonder why I'd want this feeling in my heart, a hollow feeling in my chest I cannot dart. I think I finally figured it out. It's the emotion in my life that has the most clout. The constant feeling and strong emotion like a rapid current in the ocean. It's always there day in and day out, not like happiness where you wonder when it will come about. The emotion of pain is the strongest I know. I strive to feel it, but at the same time, I'm scared for it to show. I'm starving for emotion that f- fills me like pain. I wish I could run, but then I fear I won't gain. Gain the feelings that pull on my heart so strong they pull me in every time I start. I start to walk away from the dark, skipping and singing my own tune in the park. But then comes that pull to feel once again an emotion stronger than happiness times 10. Now, don't get me wrong. Happiness is great. It reels me in acting like bait, but there it goes faster than it came. Goodbye for now. I guess I'll have to fight harder to win the next game. I wish it was the other way around where happiness was the main thing my emotions found. But once you feel pain, you understand life more, a feeling so deep it bleeds through the core. I don't think I'm striving for that pain, but rather a feeling of great gain. I want a constant feeling that fills my soul, a colorful feeling not looking like coal. So what I guess I'm saying here is that it's healthy to feel, my dear. Happiness can be constant, I think. It's a change of mindset every time I blink. I need to change my thirst of emotion. At least that's my current positive notion. I just want to feel something as strong as that again without going back to the darkness. I want to live in Zen. Thank you, so to finish up, because I know I'm running over time, uh, to finish up, that was something that I feel is can you guys can relate very well with. Because if you've ever felt that, it's like we harp so much on why are we feeling sad versus why are we feeling happy? We allow happiness to come and go. And so while I was cleaning out my room um, this past week, I came across this, this, I don't even know what to call this. And, um, and so when I said through this journey, I was seeing snakes everywhere and where transformation really began. I remember I was living in, um, in a neighbor. I was living with my parents in Wellington and I like, it was a gated community. Nothing exciting happened there. And I went outside to check the mail and I opened the mailbox and I looked down to read the mail and straight in my eyesight is this laying on my grass. And I live where like I grew up there. It's, it was just like, what, where did this come from? And I remember I took a picture of it before I picked it up and nothing's inside of it. It says it's handmade in India and there's all these different artifacts on it. And sitting, how it was laying, sitting up, the symbol that was facing is a symbol of a snake. And so then I really looked like, what does this mean? There's snakes everywhere. And when snakes transform, they shed their old skin. And so in order to truly transform, You have to shed the old to welcome the new. Thank you.
0: That's all for this episode of Raw Storytelling. Our next episode drops January 16th. And meanwhile, tell a friend, subscribe, rate and review us and sign up for our live shows. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Raw Storytelling. And check out our beautiful website, rawstorytelling.org, where you can listen to more featured stories, find storytelling tips, and donate. Because remember, we're a community-driven project. Shout out to DJ Sondoz, that's Z-O-N-D-O-Z, who not only provides musical entertainment for our live shows, but records our stories. Fabiola Lozada is our podcast editor, and Cafe Collective is our host venue. The music you hear in this episode is by Paddington Bear, CC Mixter, Spinning Merkaba, Mystery Mammal, and other varied artists featured on our live show recordings. Until next time, have a wonderful holiday season. I'm Enid Nolasco. Stay raw.